Welcome to No Turning Back. Again, I'm John Mark, and I'm with Anna today. Tyler isn't able to be here with us today. He's traveling right now. And we're with a brother, a friend, who Anna and I have known for pretty much since we were babies. Yes. <laughs> and his name is Ken Haney. I just want to give a, a quick introduction about him. He's... So Mr. Ken Haney, Brother Ken Haney began his career in Christian radio, serving in a variety of on-air and behind-the-scenes roles at several local stations. He served as a pastor in two congregations, one of, it, one of which was Spanish-speaking. He served as a chaplain for the Tyson Fresh Meat Plants here in Amarillo for seven years. He was a chaplain and bereavement counselor at an interim hospice for eight years. He's been a licensed professional counselor in private practice since 2017. Brother Ken graduated from Wayland Baptist University with a degree in business administration with an emphasis in psychology. He got his master's in professional counseling at WT, West Texas A&M University. He serves, as, he serves as a past president of Amarillo Area Association of Mental Health Professionals. He specializes in grief counseling, couples counseling, stress, anxiety, depression, spiritual issues, sexual abuse, and addiction communi in communication. And he also works with teens. So, Mr. Ken, Brother Ken, it's a blessing to have you on the show. Thank you. So we're just going to jump right into the subject for today. And I think it's... I really don't hear it talked about much in churches. Brother Ken, I don't know if you've heard it talked much about in church. And Anna, you, you've gone pretty much to all the same churches I've gone to, so I know where you are. But the subject is depression or mental illness and Christianity. Yes. And something I want to point out is, and, and it's something that I've actually heard pastors tell other people before, and I don't really agree with it. They're saying that depression and mental illness is a sign of sin in one's life. I mean, it can be a sign of sin in one's life, but I don't think that's always the case. Yeah. So when you're talking about depression, there's really a couple of areas that that can fall into. Um, one of the areas is what we call clinical depression, and that's related to the fact that your brain, when it works normally, uh, creates and uses specific chemicals that enable you to do what your brain was designed to do. And there are times when either um, because of genetics or stressful things going on in your life that those chemicals get out of balance. Um, and um, just like any other organ in your body, your brain can malfunction and not serve you correctly. And um, one of the ways that we uh, deal with that is through medication, which helps reestablish the balance of the different chemicals in your brain, uh, makes it function properly. So you can no more uh, talk yourself out of that depression than you could talk down your blood sugar uh, if you're a diabetic. You know, it's just you take the meds, that's the solution for that problem. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in because people don't understand. You know, why can't you just snap out of it? Um, just cheer yourself up and you'll be feeling better um, and there's an aspect of that that's valid because the other uh, area of depression that we deal with is what uh, we call cognitive which is it has to do with the way you think and um, if you've gone through a series of setbacks and you're beginning to doubt your own ability to do things to make your life move forward uh, you feel like God's against you or the world's against you or whatever, then you start um, accumulating this, these negative thoughts and then pretty soon they shape the way that you see your world. Now, that's the kind of thing that I would work with as a counselor. You know, if somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm depressed, I, you know, we're going to do the medical check for this thing and then I'm going to talk about, okay, what are your thoughts that are causing you to feel sad? Um, and let's examine those to see if they're true or not. Um, because negative things about us threaten us, um, we tend to focus keenly. In fact, your brain is wired 
to pay attention to the threats. There's a part of your brain right about there that's a little almond-shaped part called the amygdala, and its job is to protect you. And if it senses any danger, then it's going to go on high alert and uh, start moving you, you know, towards doing something to, to fix it. The problem is the amygdala can only use the information that you feed it. And so if you start telling yourself that things are bad and they're not going to get any better and everything is bad and so forth, then it, it puts your brain into depression and um, you're, you're dealing with that. So the key is to examine what, uh, what am I thinking that's making me feel depressed. And um, a big part of that is learning to trust God. Uh, so I have to know who I am. Uh, and for me to know my true identity, I have to know who I am in Christ. Uh, who I am without Christ is not much to brag about. You know, I struggle a lot. I, I don't do things I should, that sort of thing. But in Christ, uh, because of what he did on the cross, um, I'm accepted in the beloved. I am valued as his son. Uh, he has a plan and purpose for my life. Um, and I can count on his blessing and favor uh, as I move toward the objectives that he, he set out for me to do. And so if I can pull that back into my mind uh, and see that as my truth instead of I'm just this loser, I can't do anything right, then that's how I go about shifting from uh, depression to getting back to normal. Well, I was going to ask uh, about that. Um, I know you mentioned some of the reasons why a person would go into clinical depression, but um, could it be possible for somebody to, you know, first start off with the cognitive depression that leads into it? Absolutely. Those two are connected. And if you're feeling depressed and your brain can respond um, and fall into that trap as well. So, yeah, that's that's a very real situation. Yeah. Um, I always tell people, um, well, I've had a few acquaintances, I should say, who dealt with depression and you know, I've had my struggles with it as well. Yeah. And, and one of the really big battles that I've had with it was, uh, I didn't want to believe that you could take a medication for a mental problem because in, you know, I think that's the problem with a lot, a lot of people is they yeah. think the mind and the body are two completely separate entities so you can't treat a mental problem with something physical and vice versa. But what I've learned, you know, and I took one mental health class in nursing school. I learned some there, but I think through life experience, I've learned a lot more. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, and I was thinking about this. I don't know if this is accurate, but <clears throat> You know, when we have a mental problem that, you know, is festering in our brains, eventually it does come out in physical symptoms. Yeah. And when that happens, um, a lot of times your body is kind of in a crisis. And so to get over that hump, medication does help. And, but this is just my opinion. I don't. Personally, I don't want to get to that point where I would end up just depending on a medication for my mental health. I think once you get over that hump, it, it's now it's a time you've got to learn how to cope. You have to find better ways to cope, and yes. because your life struggles, they're never going to end. No. They're always going to come. No. So um, that's those are my thoughts, but. Um, I know that a lot of people who are, you know, spiritual leaders and, and stuff will not agree with the use of medication under any circumstance. Um, yeah, so. it can be kind of controversial in some areas, and one of the fights that we have is even with people uh, 
who are on the medication deciding that I don't want to be dependent on medication, so I'm going to get off of it. Uh, and sometimes that works out, and sometimes, you know, if there's a serious uh, chemical imbalance, then the, that's no more wise than not taking your insulin. If you're a diabetic, there's going to be problems. Uh, yeah. So um, we work with, you know, that's part of what I do is working with patients or with clients to help them understand that they're the ones that have to take the initiative. Uh, if your meds aren't working for you, then you need to tell your doctor. Don't just sit there and go, well, they're not working, so I'm going to quit taking them. There's a whole array of medications that do different things. And when your doctor prescribes you a pill, he's making it a, an educated guess about which one will help you. He'll listen to your symptoms and go, okay, I think this one works. But he doesn't know what the chemicals are in your brain. There's no way for him to tell. So he says, take this for two or three weeks. Tell me what it does for you. If it doesn't help, then we'll adjust it. We can give you more. We can add some helping medications that make it more effective. We can take you off of it entirely and let you try something different uh, until we find what's going to give you that, that base level where you have a fighting chance now to do the cognitive work that you need to do to, to deal with your depression. Um, and then, uh, then we can take it from there. So I have a question. Can, can a person be going through mental illness or depression and not even realize it? Yes. Yeah. Um, we find, so our, the emotions that we experience, we don't experience in words. We experience them in, in concepts or impressions. And a lot of times we can feel something and not even know what it is that we feel until we start kind of leaning into it. Is this jealousy, depression, anger, uh, frustration, anxiety? What am I feeling? Um, and so when we, when we lean into it, it gives us a better idea of what's going on because if it's anger it's, it means that you've experienced a violation of some kind if it's depression it means that you're feeling either a loss or a sadness about your potential if you're feeling anxiety it means that you're perceiving a threat of some sort um, and you're responding to that and so each one of these has its specific uh, dynamic that's involved and so step one is what's bugging you Let's figure out what's going on on the inside, and then we can, we can pull up some uh, some concepts that are going to help help you adjust your perspective on what you're looking at to to let you see uh, what's positive, let, let you see what God is doing in your life, and make the adjustment that way. Okay, and so I guess you kind of, you, you kind of started answering my follow up question, which was. How can you identify, what What can you do to help identify if you are going through depression or struggling with mental illness? Okay, so there are, uh, with depression specifically, there are some certain things that we look for. Um, if you have a general sense of malaise, you're not interested in doing the things that you would normally do, you're having trouble sleeping or eating. Uh, you don't engage in your normal activities, and depending on the severity, you know, you can go into your bedroom, turn out the lights and close the door and just stay there, you know, for days on end because you don't have the emotional energy to get up uh, and even do simple things like bathing or eating. Uh, that would be a severe case of depression, but you can still be, there's like short-term depression where I had expectations that something was going to happen and it didn't, so... I'm kind of down, but tomorrow the sun comes up, I'm happy again, and here we go. Uh, or you can have something that lasts longer because it's a difficult situation that you're facing. Typically, they say that you need to be depressed for at least two weeks to be uh, diagnosed as having depression. Uh, so it, um, we just, you know, we kind of go down that checklist, and if we get, if we take enough boxes on that, then will diagnose you as dealing with depression. Okay. And so... I have a question. Oh, sorry, John. Go ahead. Do you feel like... I tried to do research and I'm not finding good, reliable sources, I guess. But you feel like um, there's 
a surge of mental illness here in the United States specifically? Is it just because we're becoming more aware? Has it always been there? Or is it because really uh, people are now pretty much glued to their phones, to the internet, mm-hmm. and all of those things like increase the, the spike in, in mental illness? Yes. So with the coming COVID, um, I've dealt with a lot of people who are dealing with anxiety over that. Am I going to get it? How bad is it going to be? How come my coworkers aren't protecting me? You know, things like that. And then um, with, you know, the political situation that's going on in the country right now and the, the division that we have, there are a lot of people uh, who are feeling anxious about what's going to happen. Um, feeling powerless and so they're they're dealing with depression uh, I think a big part of it is just the breakdown in um, the, I'm trying to think of how I want to describe this uh, people kind of moving away from their faith um, I've had clients who come in and say well I'm not sure I believe in God anymore and then they start talking about their anxieties and as we go through the process they suddenly realize oh that faith in God that I used to have <laughs> That was really helping me. Maybe I need to go back to that. Uh, and so they'll do a reversion because they, they now understand how having trust in a powerful, caring being who uh, is interested in my life can help me feel less anxious or less depressed. So I do think that we're seeing a lot more uh, as a result of that. I, every counselor I know in Amarillo is, is cramped. They are full of clients. So. Wow. You think it would help if, if uh, we filled up the churches instead? Definitely. Like, filled up churches. Yeah, and not, not just filled up churches, but if we had churches, we've had churches that are just so interested in being, uh, you know, in the mainstream and so forth that they've abandoned a lot of the, the core concepts of, of Christianity uh, just because they want to make people feel good. And uh, that only goes so far. Uh, and when you get hit with reality, then suddenly it doesn't work anymore. So, uh, and I get, I run into a lot of people uh, who are believers who come in and they start talking about uh, their faith or what they believe and so forth. And, and I know the churches they're going to. I know these are solid Bible believing churches, but they're, they have these strange ideas. You know, Jesus was just another person and uh, there's different ways to heaven and things like that. <laughs> go, holy cow. Either you're not listening or they're not covering these topics yeah. frequently enough because those aren't those aren't what Christians believe or have believed at all. Yeah. But uh, there's kind of a lot of syncretism going on where people just pull in stuff from Buddhism and New Age and whatever, and that becomes their religion. And uh, it, it doesn't carry water. It doesn't get you where you need to be. Yeah. I think that's so true very true and so there's something that that I want to read from the Bible real quick I mean just kind of moving this a little bit more towards the spiritual side of things I want to read Psalm 22 and it's the first few verses it says my God my God why have you abandoned me why are you so far away when I groan for help every day I call to you my God but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, but I find, my, my, I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you, and you were saved. They trusted in you, and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. I mean, that's... It's a psalm of David. And it just hits me that he says, the very first verse we read, the very first sentence is... The question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. And I mean, we can remember Jesus Christ saying that on the cross as well. Yeah. And then at the end of that passage, he says, Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. 
And my point is this, and I guess my question too is this, David, do you think David was going through a, a moment of depression when he wrote this? I would say definitely. Um, and not just that one. I think if you read the Psalms, you'll find uh, more passages where he's saying, "Where have you gone? Why have you abandoned us? Why aren't you, why aren't you, making the wicked suffer because of their wicked deeds and all of these things?" And um, I usually prescribe the Psalms for my clients whenever they're going through depression because they always start down here in the pit uh, and they connect with what you're really feeling while you're down there, and then. David starts giving faith words that lift you up up here. But as for me, I will trust in God. He is my rock and my shield. Uh, and so it, it grabs you where you are and takes you where you need to be. Um, but uh, a really good point about that is that we, um, we feel like negative emotions are things that shouldn't happen. And if they do, it means you know, you're, you're sinning or you're faithless or you're not trusting God. Uh, and so in looking through the Gospels, I find many instances where Jesus had negative emotions or expressed disappointment. Yeah. One instance where he expressed anger, um, well, actually several, where he, he, was, he called the Pharisees in pretty harsh terms, yes, cleansed the temple with the cord. <laughs> I think there was physical violence involved in that. Um, but the most powerful one for me is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, I was thinking about that one day, and all of a sudden it hit me. Um, that his prayer was let this cup pass from me what he was praying to the father is okay we've had this plan of redemption since the beginning of the world but I would come and die on the cross that's tomorrow and I'm not excited about it <laughs> uh, in fact yeah. I am totally revolted by this uh, I am so anxious about it that I am literally sweating blood which is a sign of high emotional distress. Now, I've been... Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. I've been distressed a lot, but I've never sweat blood. Yeah. So um, that tells me that um, Jesus, uh, he spent three hours praying, and he brought his disciples around him, and he said, pray with me, and, and he would pray, and go wake them up, and go back and he did this three different times for an hour each until he finally came to the end of his prayer which was not my will thine be done uh, so I tell people if you're going through a spiritual struggle and right what you're saying at this moment is no please don't make this happen please don't make me go through this then you're right there with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane so you over there and just kneel down beside him and listen to his prayer and you pray your prayer and that's that's perfectly fine as long as the end of the prayer is okay not my will and be done I'll submit to your will and, and we'll do it uh, but if, if we start telling ourselves that having negative emotions is a bad thing then what we don't do is allow those negative emotions to tell us what's going on yeah. if I run from it I can't figure out that I'm depressed because I believe that this situation is going south. And once I figure that out, then I can start bringing truth into that. Uh, I can pull in scripture, I can talk to friends who can encourage me and say, no brother, you're doing really well, just stay in there. So I'm pulling that truth in, just like David, it starts feeding those faith words into our hearts so that we go from down here in the pit to standing up here with confidence in God. You're gonna do that the rest of your life. There's no way that I can train you to be psychologically resilient to the point where everything just bounces off your chest and you keep going. And Jesus is our example of that. So um, it's not that you're never down or uh, anxious, it's that when you get there, you know how to get out. You have the resources and tools. You've built a social network uh, that's going to be there to support you and uh, you've got friends you can pick up the phone and call and say hey I need some cheering up right now let me tell you what I'm feeling and uh, they can help you with that yeah definitely uh, I I mean Anna and I both we grew up in in a Christian world and I'm very thankful for that that we grew up in in a Christian home with good godly parents and yes. and many pastor friends who were very good but I'd also heard many pastors say, if you're in, if you're going through depression, 
it's one of two things. You're either having a faith crisis, which to an extent can be true, or you're in sin, which again, to an extent, can be true as well. And and just as you were saying, as I as I grew older and started to study more, I realized, well, Jesus went through a stage of depression. Yes. I mean, it, David. We can think of Elijah. Even I mean, he even said, "I'm the only one serving you, God." Yes. Yes. I mean, we we can see all sorts of the, all stories in the Bible of great men and women of God who just were depressed. Yes. And but we don't hear those pastors talking about that. They say if you're depressed, you you're in sin. You're a terrible person. Yeah. Basically, is what I was would get from them sometimes. Yeah. And and I did come to find out the importance of having friends, good Christian friends who you can go to and just say, "Hey, man, I'm going through this this funk right now, and and I just need someone to talk to. Yeah, I need someone to say I'm here. Yeah. You so, know, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say. Um, I think there's a a balance there has to be a balance um, sometimes I think that it is easy for us to get caught up in our grief and our depression and we just purposely don't do anything to get ourselves out of it you know yeah. what I mean yeah um, and I, I you know there might be a, a bunch of reasons for that maybe you just you've just decided well life isn't worth it you know and you're just basically stuck in your in yourself um you know <clears throat> i've been in those places many times not yeah. gonna lie yeah. and one time i remember that i wasn't particularly down or anything i just went over to my grandmother's house for after i got off work and i told this story last week in the podcast <laughs> but there was some missionary friends over there and the lady just looked at me and she said just get over yourself <laughs> and I was, I was like, I mean, if I'd probably been anybody else, I would have been offended. And I thought, what did I do? I didn't say anything. But I just thought, you know what? I'm just gonna let her say what she's gonna say. Think about it. And you know, to this day, I remember it. And um, always, I try to remember, you know, with all the suffering that we have in this world. Even God in the flesh was not exempt from the suffering that exists on this planet. And, you know, it all leads back to Adam and Eve, to that curse that was originally, you know, uh, enacted because of the disobedience from Adam and Eve. So we're all under this curse, you know. And it's important, I think, to remember that. I don't like to say this, but we are kind of all in this together. We're all feel the same thing yes so uh, I like that you mentioned King David because you know what I didn't realize this at the beginning but uh, whenever David my brother died and I went through a whole lot of feelings that I was unfamiliar with and it was such a mess in here in my head and I couldn't understand it it was frustrating I was angry so I just picked up a notebook and I just started writing because that was my coping mechanism, I guess. And I noticed a trend as time went on where I would start my writing would be very, very depressing, very, very dark and somber. And then as it went on, it was like, oh, okay. It became more happy. Yeah. Um, and I really do believe that that's, you know, helping me get the clutter out of my head, yes. clear things up, and remind me that, you know what, God's got this, and I just need to trust in Him. Yes. So, anytime we're working through something like that, it's a process to get out of it, because you have to work through it, and grief especially uh, can take some, some serious time, and so, by definition, as you're moving through the process, you're not where you want to be today things are really chaotic and you're doing in a lot of pain and so forth uh, it's going to get better but today it's not and one of the things I like to teach is that you need to be okay with not being okay 
because this is the best I can do today. Tomorrow I'll be better, but today it's a mess, and it's okay that it's a mess because I'm going through this process. It's like if you're recovering from surgery, you're not expected to just bounce out of bed and go do your normal routines. You want to take it easy and heal until you're ready to get up and resume your normal activities. But the other thing I think that's really critical is uh, John Mark mentioned um, a faith crisis earlier. Uh, and what I see in scripture as far as the process of maturity is uh, God takes us fr from one faith crisis to the next. And what he does is he puts us in a situation, uh, we're in chaos and turmoil, and then he comes and rescues us. Uh, and he does that, and he rescues us, and he does that, and he rescues us. And pretty soon we figure out, okay, I'm in this chaos, but I know how the story ends. He's always done it this way. So <laughs> I'm going to learn to trust God in this area of my life. Uh, and we, we develop that faith, and God goes, okay, we're done with that. Now let's take you to the next crisis. And each time we go through something, it's God saying, I'm going to teach you that I'm trustworthy in this area of your life. Uh, and if we listen for that, uh, then we grow through. So James 1, verses 2 through 4, talks about this exactly. That the trying of our faith works patience. Uh, and then the next verse he goes on, uh, I'm going to summarize it, but once your patience is fully developed, then you are perfect and entire and lacking nothing. In other words, you have arrived. Uh, you are where you need to be. The Greek word teleos is used, which means completion or perfection. Uh, so all the parts and pieces are there. It's exactly what it should be. Uh, that's where we're moving, but we, we get there through these crises that we experience uh, as we learn that God's faithful. He's always going to show up. He's always going to take care of us. And uh, as we do that, then our, our faith grows. I yes. think one of the problems that, <coughs> well, I know I've dealt with this because I just, this is how I am. Mm -hmm. uh, some people, they like to come and say, you know what, you shouldn't be so upset because it could be worse. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help at mm -hmm. all for me because in my head I'm thinking, are you serious? It could be worse. So I'm just thinking, okay, well now I'm going to have to wait for something even worse to happen in the future, you know? I'm a, I guess I'm kind of a melancholy person in that in that way, but yes. um, but what if okay? This was I know that this was my thought process when David died. Okay, I was standing there, and you know we had been to Nicaragua. I don't even know how many times before this, and always in my head there was always something exceptionally bad that had to happen on our trip one year it was taking us 19 days to get down there and <laughs> buses breaking down and you know it was just a long trip yes. the following year a bus burned i lost my shoe and at 10 or 11 years old however old i was that was very traumatic to lose my <laughs> tennis shoe uh then the following year, of course, my grandpa got a heart attack and he's literally right behind me. I turned around and I saw him collapse. And that was that was pretty scary. And then, of course, this, the incident with David, right? The thing is, after the bus burnt down, nobody died with that incident. Grandpa, or my, my abuelito, he had his heart attack, but he survived and he was well after that. I mean, not great but he was better after that um so obviously when i'm standing there david is in the water and he's not coming out in my head i'm thinking no no this isn't this isn't going to end like this because you know god's fixed everything in the past we're going to go back we're going to go back home and david's going to be fine we're just going to turn around and we're just going to laugh about this mm -hmm. um and that didn't happen and I think that was something that was really, really hard for me to, to grasp is the permanence of what ended up happening. Yeah. And the, why didn't God step in and save him? You know, like he always has. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle and draw away from God because they feel like God failed them. Yes. And so, um, 
I, I think for me though, I didn't see it that way just because I, I don't know. I've always been a huge fan of reading books from like World War II stories. I've read a ton of, of the Holocaust stories from Holocaust survivors. And so it's just, it, it's always fascinated me to read those things. And I've always thought, okay, what am I going to do if I ever end up in a situation like that? Yes. I want to be like Corey Toon Boom, and I want to be like, I need, I need a Bible. I need God. That's all I want. Because he's the one that's never going to leave me. Nobody can ever take him away from me. And so I've always had that kind of thought going through my mind. Of, and I guess it's just kind of been instilled very deeply. So when everything did happen with David, in a way, I was kind of ready for it. Um, in a way, not not really, um, but mostly ready in that, you know what, for whatever reason, God allowed this to happen. Yeah. This was his time, and even if we had been in the United States, where we, had been, we would have been able to call 911, nobody was going to be able to stop what God already planned. No matter where we were, no matter who we were with, nothing can stop God's plan. And that, I think, helped me, saved me a lot of, you know, feelings of guilt, like, why am I still here? Or, you know, why couldn't I do more? That type of thing. And it really does take a lot of burden off of you mm-hmm. when you say, you know what? I can't do anything about it. I can't change anything. This is God. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's helpful um, to see that sometimes, so like when we, when we learn to trust God, uh, we're looking for God to be trustworthy. And God is ultimately trustworthy, but sometimes the things that he does don't feel trustworthy. So when he lets your brother drown, you know, he's rescued you from all these other crises. This time he doesn't. That's not what we expected from God. We expected God, you know, we have all these passages in the Bible that talk about his protection for his saints and so forth. And so when, when God doesn't meet our expectations, then that causes us to have to adjust our expectations. And uh, there's been moments when I've sat and going, I don't know what to believe anymore because what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And so I have to, to readjust and come to a, a different understanding of God. It's what we see happening in the book of Job. Uh, when he starts off with his fear-based relationship with God, God takes away everything that he has and then walks him through this, this process of grief and anger. And at the end of it, he says, I'm God, you're not. Deal with it. And that was God's answer for Job. So um, it's, it's good to be able to recognize that, again, that's part of the process that you're going through. And if right now you're out of sorts with God, you know, he's big enough to handle that. Uh, he'll let you cry it out. He'll let you pound on his chest and sob until, you know, you calm down. And then he will teach you if you listen. You know, if you'll open your heart to him, he'll teach you that he has a purpose and a plan. And this is all part of it. And it may not have been what you wanted, but it's something that, that he's designed yeah. uh, for your life. That's actually <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Is uh, It's the Apostle Paul, and he's just saying that he has this, this thorn in his flesh that has been bothering him. And he went to God three times asking for God to take that away from him. Yes. And God just said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made known in weakness. Yes. And then Paul Paul just went on to say, Therefore I will glory in my infirmities. Yes. And it's never easy to deal with, I mean, losing a loved one, it's never easy. We've, Anna and I have lost many many loved ones over the past few years brother Ken you've lost loved ones as well and one thing that that I've heard a lot of people tell me especially when when David passed away um, and even Christian people I mean I know they were well intentioned but they all said be strong for your family be strong for your family and at that time I felt like I didn't have the right to grieve 
I yeah. felt like I didn't have the right to feel sorry for myself because, oh, my siblings need to feel sorry right now. My siblings are going through a hard time right now, so I need to be strong for them. My parents are going through a hard time, so I need to be strong for them. And I just turned 20 years old when that happened, and it was hard for me. Yeah. And again, I know they were well-intentioned people. I know they were trying to look out for me. But I, I don't think they were using the right words, though. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those best stories that I like to uh, talk about that addresses this deal is the story of Jesus and Lazarus, where Jesus intentionally waited for Lazarus to die before he showed up. Um, and they go out to the cemetery, and all of the townspeople and the family are standing around, and they're weeping because Lazarus is dead. Jesus knows the end of the story. Yeah. He knows that the tears are going to go away. But instead of saying, hey, people, dry it up. You're going to like this. Stand by. He weeps. Yeah. He st- steps into their pain with them. And he doesn't tell them, you know, suck it up or whatever. He, he enters their grief uh, and weeps with them. And the people, when they see him crying, they say, oh, see how much he loved him? So our tears are evidence of our love for the person that we've lost. And then once he's done that, he's like, okay, let's make this better. Uh, and he calls Lazarus forth out of the grave. Yeah. So I think we resist sometimes too much um, pain and suffering. And if I'm not comfortable suffering and I see you suffering, <laughs> I want you to stop it. You know. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to say unwise things to try to get you to, to feel better or whatever instead of entering into your grief with you and listening to uh, your heart and being comforting. There's a passage in Romans that says we should weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah. Uh, and so that's my counseling 101. If you're talking to somebody, before you start giving solutions, listen to them, connect with their pain, make them feel heard. Uh, and then you've earned the right to speak a different perspective uh, into their heart, but not until you sat down with them and wept with them. Yeah. And so... Anna was saying, she mentioned the story she told last week in, in our recording, and I want to just reread a passage that I had read last week as well, which I think goes really well with today's topic. And it's Ecclesiastes 3, that there's a time for everything. It says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. I mean, you can go on and it just says there's a time for this, a time for that. And right. and in there they do mention there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance. Yes. And although it was well-intentioned saying, be strong, and I probably needed it, without realizing it at that time, there's also a time to say, hey, if you just need anything, I'm here. If you just need to cry, I'm here. If you need a hug, I'm here. Yeah. And so, I just, I have another another question. I had done some research on mental illness in, in Christians. And, like, like, it was like Anna was saying earlier. I don't know how dependable this was, but according to anthemofhope.org, there's a 23, 23% of pastors that acknowledge that they have struggled personally with mental illness. 27% of churches have a plan to assist those affected by mental illness. 4% of churchgoers say church leaders were aware of a loved one's struggle with mental illness. And 35% of Americans say that mental illness could be overcome by Bible study and prayer alone. So... Again, I say I don't know how true that could that is. I've seen how how the ministry has affected my dad, and to a degree, I do think that many pastors go through mental illness and, and depression. They don't ever yeah. they might not ever say it, but they do. And so, with all that said, my question is: How can we? How can we deal with depression, and how can we help our pastors and spiritual leaders if we know they're going through a spiritual depression or, or anything 
any type of depression. So a lot of times what pastors struggle with are these expectations that either they placed on themselves or their church places on them or they think God's placed on them. Uh, and when they feel like they're not living up to those expectations, it makes them feel uh, inadequate, not good enough. Uh, and those are the kinds of things that lead to depression. Uh, you can also experience anxiety. You know, I, was my sermon good enough or am I going to get criticized for it? Um, is my interactions with the congregation productive or are people not going to like me and, and you know your whole career is, is based on being able to have good rapport with the people that you're ministering to uh, and so we set really high expectations for our pastors uh, that most of them are not able to live up to uh, and a lot of times we read about well-known pastors who get involved in affairs and yeah. things like that and that's because they're trying to address that idea of not good enough, uh, and they do. They choose to do it in, in unhealthy ways. Uh, instead of uh, examining those expectations and going, you know what, I don't have to be perfect all the time. I'm good enough. Uh, I'm doing what God's given me to do, and I'm doing it well. Uh, and so I can lay that down and, and, and quit worrying about that. And for me, it took a lot of kind of sorting through all those expectations one by one. Uh, God would bring it out and then we would deal with it and that would go away and then the other one would come out. I, I didn't realize I had such a collection until we began to go through that process. I spent most of my life with um, severe anxiety and I didn't realize it until it got to be a, a crisis. I just thought that's the way everybody was. We're always a little feel, fearful about things and so it wasn't until I was able to overcome it and to answer each one of those those fears that the anxiety went away and it felt weird not to have that cooking in the yeah. background so I think um, that I would love to see every pastor every minister anyone who's in a position of, of uh, serving um, to read some books um, to do some counseling uh, to work on that um, there's a, a series, there's several books that God brought into my library during this process that were revolutionary for me, that really helped me uh, see myself differently and see God differently uh, and come to understand how truly, deeply God loves me as I am right now without getting my life together. Uh, loves me, accepts me, and values me, and is blessing me and using me. I never allowed myself to take credit for the things that I was accomplishing because I felt like that, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm lucky over here, I guess, but I still don't get credit because I don't, I don't deserve it. Uh, so sometimes I can even come across as really confident or maybe even a little arrogant, but who I am, what I'm, what I'm good at, uh, all of these are gifts that God's given me. And for me to say I'm good at what I do is to say, God's done a really good job in me, and he's using me in powerful ways. I just show up. He does yeah. the rest of it. So I can brag. When I, it sounds like I'm bragging on myself. I'm really bragging on God who's done this work in me and moved me from this anxious, fearful uh, young man over here to uh, a place of confidence and boldness where I know what I know, uh, and I know what I can do because of what God has put in me. Amen. So we are coming pretty close to the end of our time right now. And I know there's a whole lot more we can talk about. Mr. Ken, I, I know you have a plethora of, of things that you yes. can talk about regarding the subject. And we most likely be having another episode about this topic. And, and I would love to have you back on here to talk more with you about it. But, um... Just kind of to, to to close up for today, is there anything, any other piece of advice you can give to our listeners? Well, I think the critical thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, don't assume that you're the only one that's struggling and everybody else has their act together. Uh, there's something incredibly comforting about saying, I'm depressed, and somebody says, yes, I know, I've walked through that as well and you're like oh okay I'm not the weirdo I'm just human and so my problem doesn't make me weak it doesn't make me uh, faithless it makes me human 
uh, and so um, you know reach out to the, your pastor to people that you know go see a counselor um, and uh, read some books there's a whole bunch of stuff out there these days that is that is really good about speaking truth into your pain and helping you find forgiveness and healing and uh, building faith and so you know, make use of those resources okay I like it and well as I said just to just to finish up we just I just want to remind you each and every one of you listeners God loves you he sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me to offer you and I a place in heaven for eternity a place where there is no suffering there are no tears there's no pain a place where there's nothing but hope and love and joy in God and and as brother Ken said if you are going through depression just remember you're not alone reach out to someone you can you can reach out to us here at the no turning back podcast you can uh, I imagine you can reach out to brother Ken as well and, and yes. just talk with someone look through look through the word of God and as Brother Ken said as well read through the Psalms we're not alone in this you're not alone in this and I want to encourage you as well uh, we have a great resource in the word of God I think it's the best resource through through the word of God seeking God in prayer and, and there's actually on the on the YouVersion Bible app there's a a Bible reading plan. It's called the Bible Recap with Tara Lee Cobble, and it is a chronological year-long Bible reading. It has a an additional podcast with it talking about the passages that are read during the day, and at the end, she always gives a uh, the God shot is what she calls it, where she sees God in the passage and it's been an encouragement for me Anna you're reading that and it's been an encouragement for you I imagine and I just want to encourage you to read that as well Anna Brother Ken thank you for being on the show it's always a blessing to see you here Anna and Brother Ken it's a blessing to talk with you and, and visit with you and I hope we can do this again sounds good all right. And thank you guys for listening and tune in next time.